what most people think their job is as an expert in representing that expertise is just to talk about what they do. Well, I'm a coach or I'm a lawyer or I'm an engineer or whatever it is. I'm a person who does this thing, right? And what I did that night at the happy hour was first start with a problem that my audience cares about solving. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 255. And today we're discovering how to craft an elevator pitch that will give people the chills in under 30 seconds. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson, and today we're talking about elevator pitches. Today we're talking about the magic that happens when you really nail how you introduce yourself or convey what it is you do to someone else. And I was thinking about the conversation I had with my guest today, and one of the things it totally boiled down to was this. You learn how to craft a magnetic message and create goosebumps because the person hears themselves and what you're saying. And this takes a little bit of honing and crafting and really digging deep to understand who your audience is, what your superpowers are, and how you're solving a really big problem or creating something really exciting for people. You're going to have to listen to today's episode. It's a really, really good. There's a lot of clarifying information. This guest is like really on fire. But I was also realizing it's a big part, the messaging. It's one of the core pillars of being a highly paid authority is you really understand how to craft a message that's irresistible, compelling, and creates desire. Doesn't that sound exciting? If you are an expert that's feeling like a best kept secret, then you're gonna wanna learn all eight of the pillars that I teach around being a highly paid authority. And I have put together my blueprint, the insights around each of these steps and how it is literally gonna transform your business overnight. Head on over to authorityamplifiers.com or you can just look for the link here in the show notes and you can click right through and get your instant free access. Now let's drop into today's episode. Welcome back Amplifiers, your host Melanie Benson here. I've got a guest today and we're talking about how to craft an elevator pitch that gives people the chills in under 30 seconds. I'm uber excited to learn all about this. Uh, honestly, this is not my forte. This is not one of the things I do well. So I love learning what works for other people. So let me introduce you to the guest. Our guest today is Neil Gordon, who helps experts become the face of a movement. He works with executives, influencers, and thought leaders, and has helped them get six-figure book advances, be seen on shows like Ellen and Dr. Oz, and double their speaking fees. 
that's not a small thing right there. So that's awesome. Prior to becoming a communications expert, he worked on the editorial staff of Penguin Random House, where he worked with New York Times bestselling authors. He's been featured on Forbes, Fortune, Inc.com, and NBC Palm Springs, and is a VIP contributor for Entrepreneur. I'm so excited to have you join us today, Neil. Thank you very much for having me, Melanie. Ah, you're so welcome. So uh, being that you were on NBC Palm Springs, does that mean that's where you live or was that just a chance encounter? I lived in LA at the time. I actually live in New York City now. I moved. It's like one of those things that happened as a result of the pandemic. Everyone's mm -hmm. upheaving their lives and going somewhere else. And so my somewhere else is to return to New York where I had lived once a long time ago. And because I was in Southern California, I wound up connected with NBC Palm Springs. And it was a really nice way to get into broadcast media because Palm Springs is a smaller market. So it was a lower barrier entry. And eventually I got into the main channel in LA, KTLA, which was a much bigger get and live too, which was kind of terrifying, honestly. And so I would imagine. <laughs> so a lot of my media originally came from the Southern California area. Nice. Nice. Well, we're sorry to have uh, missed your your presence here, but I know New York is is a nice hot spot as well. Uh, I'm excited to dig into this idea of how we introduce ourselves, how we make that initial connection with somebody, and I I'd love to hear like let's start with the things people are doing wrong. What are some of the mistakes people make when they first get asked the question? What do you do? Which is, by the way, asked all the time in any networking all situation, all elevators, <laughs> uh, casual dinner parties, right? Because it's going to come up everywhere you are as an entrepreneur. Well, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, Melanie, but the mistake that most people do when they're asked, what do you do, is they tell people what they do. And when we think about that question, we unpack that question for a moment the way people are, and this isn't every person everywhere, but in terms of if we're going to make a generalization about people, people are asking, what do you do? But below the surface of that question is some other unmet need. If you're at a dinner party. You might just be trying to fill in space with conversation that might even feel awkward for you. It's like, what am I going to talk about with this person? All right, I'll just ask them about their work. What do you do? And so there's this whole, someone, sometimes people do this whole mental thing before the question comes out and their need is just to connect more basically. And then other people might be at a networking event and they say, well, what do you do? But below the surface, it's like, I really need leads right now. I need a referral. I need a client. And so they're hungry for a client, but they're wanting to be polite. So they ask, what do you do? And then still another person's like, I really have to, I have a startup and I don't know how we're going to find these customers. And I really need to find someone who knows marketing in my particular niche. But then they ask out of politeness, what do you do? And maybe if you happen to be that marketing expert, that's, oh, great. We need to talk. So there are a lot of needs below the surface of that question. And so rather than just say what you do, what if there is a way that we could frame our expertise, still be talking about our stuff, but in a way that in maybe a roundabout way helps another person to fulfill that need. And so the mistake is just to start with what you do and think that that's gonna carry the conversation. And really what I hope to share with our listeners today is something different. 
Mm, okay. Well, you've got me uh, very curious. I'm on the edge of my seat, literally. <laughs> what <laughs> is it that we should do that's going to give people that chill experience that you promised us? So a couple of years ago, I was at a happy hour the night before a conference started. It was actually here in New York. And just it was just a bunch of us who went to that as like a pregame for the main event of the conference. And it was still early in the evening. And so we were all standing in one circle talking instead of everyone breaking off into their own conversations. And the person who had organized the, the happy hour just turned to me at one point and said, Neil, what do you do? And I started talking, Melanie. And about 15 or 20 seconds later, I was interrupted. And I was no longer giving what we could call my elevator pitch. Mm. But the thing that we would probably think about that is how rude of them to interrupt Neil giving his special elevator pitch. But the reason why they interrupted me wasn't because, wasn't out of rudeness, because what I had just said created enough excitement in the circle that they all started talking to each other about it. And then eventually they circled back and said, hey, what do you do? Because we hadn't even gotten there yet. So that chills worthy thing that I was just promising is similar to what happened in that moment. All right. What most people think their job is as an expert in representing that expertise is just to talk about what they do. Well, I'm a coach or I'm a lawyer or I'm an engineer or whatever it is. I'm a person who does this thing, right? And what I did that night at the happy hour was first start with a problem that my audience cares about solving. I just started, and I work with thought leaders, as per my bio in the introduction just now, I work with thought leaders and experts and entrepreneurs and all that. So I started with, well, thought leaders, people who have some kind of expertise that goes against the grain, they often struggle to get people on board with a different way of doing things. They have a hard time attracting people to that idea, right? So that's the problem that I happen to solve. The next thing I said was what people typically do in a flawed way, like a, a way that they they think is going to serve them, but actually doesn't. And so the next thing I said after the problem around the thought leaders is what they typically do is they try to talk about how much value they bring to the table. They talk about themselves as much as possible in the hope that that's going to get people enthusiastic about their value, right? And then I got to the third part, and this is the point that they interrupted me, right? After I said what I'm about to share, then I very simply said this, Effective communication values the recipient over the sender. Now, what I did in that moment and why there was that electric current or in other situations, people have gotten chills from that one sentence is what I've done is I've distilled all of my expertise down to a single sentence. In the world, according to Neil, the way to be successful around one's communication is to value the person you're talking to above yourself. Essentially, in so many words, turn communication into an act of service. And so they started, oh, it's true. You really have to make it about the other person. That's really important because if you're doing it about yourself, then they tune out and like they're all talking and talking and talking. And then finally, several minutes later, what do you do, Neil? And then I shared what I actually do as the fourth part of the elevator pitch, which is I help thought leaders and public speakers and authors and other kinds of experts to create such electrifying content that people rush up to them afterwards and want to work with them and 
somehow want to engage with them in some way. And so, and I change that every time I say that part of it, honestly. But whatever the point is, is like, I've made this, a, so person asks, what do you do? I've turned this little elevator pitch more into an elevator speech. And I've turned it into a, a bit of value. I've given them the secret sauce for how to solve some problem in a way they might not have thought of before. If they did, they didn't think of it in that particular way. Juicy, liking it, liking it a lot. I, I can think of so many different times where um, the way we first connect with somebody, if there's intrigue, it's almost like we want to know more and we're leaning into it. Yeah. And then, you know, like, and that comes from building a connection between what's relevant to them and who you are and what you do. Right. And I could, I could imagine you're probably really good at this and maybe some people aren't, maybe you have a structure for this. I don't know. I'm sure we'll get to that, but I could imagine that like you, you're very, um, like good at, at flex being flexible with your message so that you're adapting your message to meet where that, what the model of the world is that the person is you're talking to. So exactly. is there a structure to this or do you just wing it? Do you just, did you just find some clever ways to, to frame what you do and match them? Well, I use those same four parts, not only in my elevator speeches, but also in how I recommend my public speaking clients mm. put together the, they, they put together their, their speech in a way that starts with the problem as the first part, yeah. identifies typical solutions, provides that, that secret sauce. I call it a silver bullet, like the silver bullet-like statement. And then the what, the this is how you do this. This is what you're supposed to do in order to embody this idea. And so that becomes the larger structure, not just for, the, for that 30-second bit, but also a... 12 minute or 18 minute TED talk or a 45 minute keynote, or even the introduction of a book, or even like a webinar where you start with the problem, identify the flawed way of doing it, provide the silver bullet like statement, and then give some actionable items. So you mentioned um, in an introduction, like, what do you do? You reference, this is a structure you can put into presentations. Mm-hmm. Are there other places that this structure might really fit? I write articles as, as my bio, as you, you shared with our listeners said, I have a column of, I'm a VIP entrepreneur, VIP contributor for entrepreneur and almost I think every single one of my articles follows that structure where I start. I mean, I, I, I like to tell stories a lot mm-hmm. and I really emphasize stories in my articles. I just told the story about the, about the happy hour. I mean, I bring that into a lot of my content. I am nuts for stories. And so I'll start with a story in my articles and then I'll identify from that story what the problem is. The story sets up the problem. So I identify the problem, the typical solution. It has the silver bullet like statement. And then I'll provide some sort of actionable content later in the article. And it just shows up again and again and again, because people are most likely to embrace a solution when it's provided within the context of a problem they care about solving. And so that really becomes the basis of so much of this. What we also have you, I'm sure like we've all heard the statement content is king, right? Like we've heard that. I'm really a fan of changing one letter of that statement and saying context is king. And so by engaging people where they're at and the problems they care about solving, they're going to be that much more invested in hearing how you can potentially solve it. 
What about webinars? I know we're talking in the green room briefly about this. How could we take this content and context and apply it to webinars? Because pretty much everybody is doing a webinar or a masterclass or some kind of online training these days. Right. Yeah. And and I was listening to a recent episode of yours with a gentleman named John, and he's an ex- expert on webinars. And I really liked his framework and all the different ways that he shares things. And he talks about the why early on. And I believe that was when he was talking about that larger concept. And the thing is, is that when I, like one of the tips he actually gave in the webinar was doing a lot, like in, in, excuse me, in your episode is like giving giving live webinars to, to see what the, how, how your audience, the marketplace responds to it initially. And then if it seems good, then make it more evergreen or on demand or something like that. And the truth is, Melanie, back when I did a webinar in 2017, I bypassed the live phase and I started just doing an automated webinar and I started booking calls instantaneously. I never even split test or optimize the funnel at all. In fact, I ran the same, I mean, I don't know that you could get away with this in 2021 like you could in 2017, but I ran the same campaign from September of 2017 until April of 2018 without changing anything. Like I didn't refresh the creatives or anything. It just kept running and running. I kept booking calls for a very small amount per thing. And the thing that set that webinar apart is talking about, is being very deliberate about how that concept that John was talking about shows up in the webinar. And so what's the silver bullet technique that effective communication values the recipient over the sender, or I gave another one just now, people are most likely to embrace a solution when it's provided within the context of a problem they care about solving. These are examples of silver bullets. I had five different silver bullets in the webinar, and it just grounded the viewer in that concept, each of the five concepts I taught in such a sticky way that I just booked so many calls. And I also had heard that people with automated webinars get a lot of no-shows, like 20, 25% of people don't show up for their appointment. And that seemed horrifying to me, but I think I I did about 400 or 450 discovery calls from September to April of that time period. And I think I had six no-shows that entire time, like, like really low. I think, I guess that would have been just like between one and 2% no-show instead of 20 or 25%. So there are probably other factors as well, like who my audience was and all of that. But each of those five, five concepts was taught in a very specific way in using that kind of sentence. Mm. And that was the result. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Yeah, I'd say so. We're talking a lot about these structures. And so I'm imagining there might be a question forming in some of our listeners' minds. Uh, I like structure, but some people maybe resist structure or they're worried that having to structure might make them feel artificial or, um, you know, not in their own authentic flow. I can just hear one of my clients right now saying, but Melanie, <laughs> like, I don't want to feel like I'm a robot, right? So how do you help people get past that uncomfortableness of adopting a new structure and really making it their own? 
I'm really happy to answer this specifically in the context of the elevator speech or pitch. And that someone asked, what do you do? And it's like, all right, I heard that guy, Neil on Melanie's podcast with those four parts. I was like, all right, well, the problem is this. And then, and so it's like, I like to make a reference to Monty Python and the Holy Grail during this, like I, for any of our listeners who are a fan of this movie, there's like a swamp king and his prince and the prince doesn't want to get married. He just wants to sing and he keeps breaking out into song. And the king is like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going into a song while I'm here kind of thing. If you'll forgive my horrible Monty Python impression. And so it's hokey to launch into a really formal structure in a casual conversation. It's as hokey as someone suddenly breaking out into song, right? And so... I want, I'm really glad you asked this, Melanie, because I really like to encourage people's, the formality of what they say to match the formality of the situation. If you're out on stage in front of a thousand people, then formality is great. But if you're just talking at a networking event or at a dinner party, you can take those first two parts of the, of the four part elevator pitch structure. Like the first part is the, is the problem. The second part is the typical solutions. And you can make that into a conversation. Whereas like, you know how like you have like thought leaders, like TED speakers and all of that, and they all have their idea worth spreading or sharing, whatever they say in the slogan there. They have this like big idea and it's like hard to get people on board with a new idea and all that. You've heard of that, right? And they're like, oh yeah, of course. Like, this is my idea kind of thing. Sure. And what you often, have you ever seen somebody do this thing where they just do the show up and throw up? They just talk about themselves. They vomit so much information about themselves as they can. And it's like, yeah, it drives me out of my mind. You have that little bit of give and take. You have that conversational way to get into the structure. So that by the time you get to the big idea, effective communication values the recipient over the sender. You've gotten some momentum and some rapport with them. And then you could go into more of like a little speech. And so what I do is blah, 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 blah. And so you've gotten them to buy in and to kind of get into the cadence of the, of the little speech with you first before doing that. So that's one specific way you could embrace the structure without it sounding like you're super structured kind of thing. I like that. That's super helpful. And I think, I don't know, for me, this works sometimes just doing it and maybe even doing it imperfectly, but like kind of doing it repeatedly helps me kind of integrate it and make it more automatic. Like it becomes kind of second nature yeah. to do it that way. So my yeah. guess is that's one of the things you probably tell your clients too, is just like, go out there and just try it and like get used to it and do it enough times. Oh, sure. And then it just kind of becomes a flow for you. Yeah. I, I remember like early on trying to learn new presentation techniques and I'm like, I feel so weird, yeah. <laughs> but after a while it just kind of gets integrated. My clients feel weird about it too, because it's so different from what they usually have been doing. And then they go and they do it and they feel bad about their delivery. They flubbed this or they screwed that up or whatever. And still people rush them afterwards or they do this or they do that virtually. They get all these emails or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, well, it felt weird, but it clearly it works. So I better make this not so weird anymore. And so yeah. they become they become converted. Yes, I like that. Oh, these have been some great insights into how to like really build, really what I hear you're saying is like you're building a connection so people have desire. They want more yeah. of what it is that you do. Um, it's, as our listeners are tuning in and, and they're probably having some of that desire built for themselves, where would be a great place to send them so they could learn more about your work? I actually really like to send folks to a fun-loving speaker quiz in that people are often anxious about 
speaking or they don't really feel like they're in true possession of their voice on stage. And so what the quiz does is it breaks down all the speakers into one of five speaker types and then gives them some tips as to how to be truly captivating in their voice, in their personality in the first like seven or 15 seconds of the speech so that they just take true ownership of themselves and they just land in that moment on stage or virtually of course, and then are just able to go for it. And so that's a fun loving thing to do. You can find it on my website, neilcanhelp.com. And it's above the fold on the homepage or you can go directly to neilcanhelp.com forward slash quiz and they'd be able to take that. I, I'm going to go take it. I, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what my speaker style is. That's but right. uh, we will also make sure this is linked up in the show notes. If you're uh, anxiously searching for your pen or don't have uh, something to write on handy, you can always head over to the show page and, and or wherever you're listening to this, it'll be linked up for you. Neil, you know, this is coming. This is the part of our conversation where I like to get a little personal. So I don't know if you're shaking in your boots or you're like, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait. But um, I, I always love hearing what the boldest thing you ever had to do to get where you are right now is. And, and I'll just say, we all have journeys that get us to success, right? And sometimes that big, bold move you make is the pivotal move that changes everything. And so for the listeners here, you know, I love asking my guests this because you are not alone. What you're going through is not abnormal, but sometimes you got to shake things up and do something bold. So Neil, what would be yours? I've already shared today about how I created this webinar that had booked all these calls and had all this success instantaneously. The part of that story I haven't told you yet, Melanie, is that right before I made that live and finished the funnel and made it live, I had actually been driving for Lyft. Mm. I had no marketing mojo at all. And I had even taken a program about the webinar funnel and all of that a couple of years earlier. I tried it. It didn't really work that well. And so throughout 2017, I was trying things a little bit, but I was mostly driving just to make ends meet. And then on August 25th, 2017, I was still based out of LA. I dropped people off for Lyft at the Hollywood Bowl, which is this log jam before and after every event there. It was terrible. And I couldn't move for 20 minutes. It was a Friday night. I couldn't get fares that whole time. I was frustrated. I was burnt out. I knew I had a greater purpose that was not driving people around. And so I just... Turned off my meter after I left the Hollywood Bowl. I ordered takeout. I took the weekend off and I just committed myself to not just part-time working on my funnel, but doing it full-time without a net or anything. And what I didn't know when I quit driving was that I was a week away from being done with my funnel if I just hunkered down and did it. And I was rewarded for that because again, within a day of making my ads live, I was booking calls. And within by that was an end of August and I went live in September by October, I was earning five figures a month. And so it just happened like that, but it never would have happened if I hadn't just said, I'm worth way more than this life I've given myself and I'm going to go for something bigger. And I did. And, and it paid off. Neil, that is such a riveting story. You're so <laughs> talented with sharing stories, but uh, here's something that I, I want to just unpack in that is there's a moment you made a decision. Yeah. And I 
tell my clients all the time, and we've talked about it several times on, on Amplifier Six's podcast is nothing can move until you're all in on your decision. Yeah. Until then, it's just a wish and wishes do not move action. So you just gave a great example of, of taking a bold leap of faith, but being all in and making a commitment to something. So thank you for sharing that great example. Uh, all right. Last question. What yeah. is one thing you wished you would have done sooner now that you know how powerful it was going to be for you? I wish that I had started helping public speakers much earlier in my career because I have a background in book publishing and I always thought that books were the way for me to help people. But even going back years ago, I started helping people with speaking because I had the ability I had with creating content, but it never occurred to me until much more recently, like four years ago, basically, that this was something that I could do and that changed my life. And think about all the public speakers I could have helped for years if I had known that about myself. So, so that, that would have been nice, but I'm also grateful for having the revelation when I did. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like sometimes there's divine timing and yes, you could have probably shifted a lot of things sooner, but owning your brilliance and trusting it and jumping in when you feel the call, that's the moment to do it. Neil, this has been fantastic. I'm so excited for our listeners here in the Amplify community to tune in and get their speaker uh, quiz uh, results from you. And again, we'll link that up in the show notes or you can, it's ask how, what, what, give your URL one more time, Neil. Neilcanhelp.com. Oh man, I was going to butcher that. I'm so glad you said it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for being here today and make sure you tune in again next week. We've got another hot episode lined up for you. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 